this very weekend. Uh, we are we we do a Lord of the Rings rewatch. I don't know, not every year, but like every other year, every like year and a half. Um, and, but we, I cannot do them like back to back to back like some people seem to be able to. I watch one, and I need about seven days of recovery turnaround time before I'm ready for four more hours. <laughs> sure, I sure. know, I know people that do full marathons. Like they do it, like they do, like they do three days nonstop, and I'm like, why? Oh, yeah, th- those those people are cowards. <laughs> I've watched all three in one day before. Non-stop. The extended edition. Director's cuts, though? Yes, full extended Damn. edition. You wake up at the crack of dawn. 13 you hours pour yourself a pot of joe. <laughs> I love that you, you just settle in coward. for a real long That's... day. <laughs> you, you coward. <laughs> Straight up, it was like brunch. Uh, yeah. Fellowship of the Ring. Lunch. <laughs> two towers. Dinner. Return of the King. And then we like hung out and talked until like two or three in the That's morning. Like, you gotta. But did you watch you, the If Hobbit? you falter the start time, though, the, the whole Hobbit thing falls apart. out. The whole thing. If, what's up? If you falter the start time, if you get started later than you plan, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. It's over. Yeah, you have to get started at like nine in the morning, mm-hmm. so that you can comfortably finish, <laughs> so that it's not three a.m. and you're like, just end the movie, <laughs> just, just stop. <laughs> Uh, the the critical flaw, I maintain that Return of the King would not have this reputation as having, like, six endings if they didn't fade to black after every fucking one. It's always like, oh, they're on the volcano, fade to black. Oh, they're in the hospital, fade to black. And that is that tells me, the audience, that the movie is over. We've just been conditioned for so long that when something fades to black, it's over. It's done. The, the lights on the play have gone out, which means the play is over. But then they're like, no, 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 20-minute more movie. Yeah, I know a lot of directors that are like, I refuse to have a blackout unless it's the end of an act because it kills the momentum. And the second you're in the audience and you see a fade to black, in play or film, you're just like, oh, okay, that's the end. Yeah, there better be something yeah, in I that black. Black Panther, I think Black Panther did that. Yeah, but Black Panther is a perfect movie and can do anything it wants to. Uh, I would argue, okay. Ah, <laughs> a perfect... A, it mostly is. The last fight scene's... Yeah, garbage. you can... That that third That's act fair. is kind of kind of stanks. Uh, but the, there's so much... The mu- fight scene above ground, perfect. The fight scene, once they fall into the vibranium oh. mine... When it becomes a... It's all a, CG. A PS1 cutscene. So oh, uh, yeah. yeah, no. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. You're right. When it's just the two of them. Yeah, that part sucks. The rest of the movie's great. What really bothers me about the end of Black Panther is that the ending is so easy. You have them fight on the falls again. Like, there's nobody there, but they just... It's the two of them, and they have this just, like, real knockdown, drag-out fight. Like, it's in the text of your movie that that is where the fight needs to take place. And it's so frustrating that it takes place on a fucking train. It's so... Yeah, there's the... There's the coronation of T'Challa. There's the decoronation of T'Challa and the coronation of Killmonger. Yes. And then just go back there again and it's finish it. It's so but no. easy. You can leave literally <laughs> everything else the same. You can keep, you know, uh, all the stuff with the rhinos, like whatever. But just they need to duke it out on the falls <laughs> one more time. And they don't. And that's, I, you know, it doesn't ruin the movie. But it does take like an A and make it like a B+. Plus. You know what I mean? Like it, you know it, what you know what does bum me out about that whole movie though, 
and it's like a slight grief, slight gripe. Marvel has this habit of killing off heroes, number one villains early or just not showing. Like Iron Man had four movies for Mandarin to show up and they didn't even actually do it in Iron Man 3. Well, and then Black Panther I'm has excited though they're gonna they're finally gonna bring him back. They're gonna bring him back for Shang Chi. Yeah, it was just, it's gonna be so sick. It's dope. Um, but the <laughs> Augustus Claw or not Augustus Ulysses Claw, uh, the guy played by fucking Andy Serkis yeah. is like Black Panther's Joker, and he's in mm. he's in a movie that's not even with Black Panther in Age that's of Ultron, yeah. and he dies thirty minutes into Black Panther, and I was like, wait. You can't kill him. That's your, that's your big bad. Yeah. 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 He's a supervillain, and Killmonger shot him in the face. <laughs> Come on. Just Come on. Right in the face. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I think, it, I think it, it made it a more compelling story, though, when they did that. And also, I think for Marvel, especially because they're trying to move a lot more cosmic universe, I think that they're literally trying to move away from the of earth villains and i think that they knew in advance that's where they were going to be taking it also we weren't getting black panther 2 until post snap world so i think like the circumstances had changed they knew the circumstances would change so they were okay with it i didn't realize he was that much of a baddie if i was like because i wasn't a huge black panther reader ahead of time if i was i i get why you were like here's i mean (laughs) the problem is black panther has like four bad guys uh and one of them is one of them is claw who's dead one of them is killmonger Mm -hmm. who's dead one of them is man ape who is a good guy now and one of them uh is namor Namor. the submariner uh and if you you take all those kind of fucking dope yeah that's gonna be cool that's absolutely (laughs) what you should do for black panther 2 uh is the the atlantis's war on wakanda um, that's yes. absolutely what you should do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah. that's why they pay me, Hollywood pays me millions of dollars for these great ideas that I'm just fucking handing sure, out. Sure. That I'm just giving the away. Yeah, everybody, the... everybody thinks it's Feige. Feige's just a puppet. I'm Feige, like okay? I watch, let me, watch me put on this baseball cap that's that Kevin's says Disney. Name. You didn't know? Oh my god, he just took off a, a mask. Y'all wouldn't believe sorry. it. Hi, I'm Kevin Feige. <laughs> it's Tom Cruise. Oh, wait. No, no sorry, sorry. <laughs> All right, now I'm Feige. Five now I'm Feige. Masks. <laughs> it's just different people each time he strips his face off. So the only, and I'll, we can leave it here. The only thing I've heard about Black Panther 2 that sounds super promising is, uh, it's going to be called The Two Kings, hmm. and it's going to be Namor, who, fun fact, is just Roman backwards. So, whatever. Uh, huh. Is Namor, yeah. I've read a lot of comics yeah. featuring Namor, and I have never <laughs> taken his name yep. Alucard style and flipped it backwards. He's the first, um, he's like the first actual Marvel character, I yeah, think. Yeah, he's like, basically the first. first Marvel superhero, is is uh, yeah. Namor the Submariner. Yeah, and he's uh he's like an anti-hero. He's like Deadpool, but less funny. But it's uh <laughs> called, it's called the Two Kings, and it's Namor and T'Challa fighting because Atlantis has a long-standing feud with uh, Wakanda. Wakanda yeah. Um, they're gonna introduce Storm. Mm, yeah, that, that's yes, what I've you know. I've rumor. been hearing that I don't, for I think a long. They're gonna time. save that for a little bit later. And but there's I rumors. Actually, I think that one might be true, also. Though. Yeah, and then there's rumors that um, they're gonna take um. Craven the Hunter, and have him show up in there too, 
Because we've we've never done it. Yeah, honestly, the thing is, like, we can we can we can guess all we want. Because if there's one if there's one thing like Marvel, like even if leaks get out, they always catch us off guard, and it's kind well, yeah. of yeah. And the Russo brothers, again, six degrees of separation from fucking community. The Russo brothers recorded trailers for Infinity War and Endgame of footage that was made specifically for trailers and was never a part of the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they made shit deliberately to mislead us, and I love them for it. Oh, yeah, it's like, um, oh my gosh, help me out here. Alex Hirsch from Gravity Falls. Do you, did any of y'all watch that show? Or any of y'all like big cartoon geeks in that kind of world? I am, but I've never watched that show. And I hate oh, no, watch it. It's worth it. It takes a minute for it to pop pop off, but do it. Uh, there's this whole thing. There's like these books, you know, with all this like lore in them. And one of the big questions is who wrote the books? And he made a, a, like a, like <laughs> he made a frame that wasn't in any episode to make it look like one of the characters wrote the book that was not the character that wrote the book and then pretended that it got leaked and then and then made then like made a fake account leaked it himself deleted it and then made an angry tweet like whoever leaked that picture you're so dead to me and then like everybody bought it and then when nothing even remotely close to what happened happened he then like took a picture of him with the fake screenshot being like haha i got you and it's just like one of those amazing internal like any of my gadgets. any of my fellow lost heads out there in the audience will remember uh the season four finale has a big reveal of like who's in the coffin and they filmed three <laughs> different characters in the coffin not because they didn't know but because like oh heaven forbid if this leaks out like we want to sow some some seeds of discord some some doubt uh mm. so they just filmed it three times with three different characters uh clever girl clever girl now, was that for the the actors to be confused, or was that like a shared thing? Was that like a let's give Tom Holland five scripts because we know he's gonna fuck up, or was that a was that like a, hey let's do this in case it gets leaked so we have alternate footage and we can just change the plot? It was option B. Uh, although I would huh? believe that they gave Tom Holland five scripts for Spider Man Far From Home because that movie feels like five different scripts hastily duct taped together and sort of shipped out uh so i would i would well, indeed they, believe they gave him five scripts for um was it infinity war is what's the what's the first one where spidey goes yep. to space Infinity War. Right? they gave he, he talked about it one time he said he accidentally gave a leak about that he said now they gave me a bunch of scripts because i they don't want me to leak it but then you know i'm reading this one you know i'm like spider-man in space this one's obviously a fake script and then it turned out to be that real, the real and everybody one? went tom Tom, yeah, uh, Mark, <laughs> our boy Mark Ruffalo is famous, famous for uh, spoiling the movie in interviews before the movie, uh, where I think before yep. Infinity War, he was like, yeah, and like half of the cast like dies and everyone was like, what the fuck? <laughs> but you can, yeah. it's amazing how much this <laughs> culture has changed because you can go back to like the when Empire Strikes Back is coming out. And before the movie fucking comes out, there are interviews with, like, the characters, the, the the actors that portrayed, like, Darth Vader on set, where he's like, yeah, he's Luke's father. It's, like, crazy. And that was, like, published long before the movie came out. Um, it, spoiler culture was so very different in 1980. Huh. Yeah. yeah. 
pretty crazy. Yeah, this yeah. is, of course, a podcast about community, yeah. advanced community <laughs> studies, where guaranteed about 10 minutes into the episode, we will start discussing community. I am one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan, and I go from seal to seal's teeth. Oh, my <laughs> I'm Jace. I use they, them pronouns, and I can fit about 67 pencils in my mouth. <laughs> I'm Caleb, and for this episode, you can call me Jack A. <laughs> oh, uh, exceptional. Uh, yeah, Senior Chang being the most uh, offensive man on the planet in that little rundown. Just yeah. <laughs> uh, This was, of course, um, you can carbon date uh, the first episode we're discussing, Advanced Criminal Law, by the fact that people keep referring to Abed as Slumdog, uh, which is... <laughs> Like, mm, uh, yeah. that is the, it is uh, exactly so this bad. time where that reference would be something you've ever heard. It's so bad, dude. I've still never seen that movie. Oh, it's good. <laughs> not bad. No, it's like, it's good. Heard it's good. You don't like, it's not, it's right. not hundred movies to see before you die, but like, yeah, it's pretty sure. solid flick. <laughs> you know? All right, I'll do it. They, they do some good. fun stuff in there. <laughs> um... So the the Foist episode we are discussing, Season 1, Episode 5, Advanced Criminal Law, directed by Joe Russo, written by Andrew Guest. Uh, This is the Jeff and Britta episode, wherein Britta is busted for cheating, and yes, that is where that gif of Ken Jeong looking at the tiny piece of paper comes from. Uh, Mystery fucking solved, where that one I remember showing... Uh, my girlfriend, uh, the uh, remedial chaos theory, the like multiple timelines episode. And when Troy mm-hmm. comes in with the pizzas and there's like fire everywhere, she was like, oh, that's where the <laughs> GIF comes from, which is uh, now how we look at culture is is finding GIF origins <laughs> and tracing them. Where does this come from? Uh, you know, just a, a quick, you know, slight detour. I am a little bit surprised. I don't think I've ever heard you say GIF before, and I'm a little surprised you say GIF. I say GIF I like the peanut butter. A... Yeah, why? Um, it sounds That's nicer. I don't like G. I think G is like an ugly sound in the same way hey. that um, the A in Pam is like a hideous sound. <laughs> it's uh, that that vowel sound is uh, wretched. Like like the like the like the cooking spray Pam. Pam. Or like the name Pam from the yeah. Office. I have no, I have no grudge against anyone with that name or anyone whose name incorporates that vowel sound. Uh, but it is, it is, a, it's. <laughs> Still and like. I like, I like GIF. I like the soft G. Uh, I like uh, uh, how it uh, sounds like the peanut butter. And anyone that tells me that G doesn't make <laughs> that sound in that context, I would like to direct you to a giraffe, motherfuckers. Mm. You know what? That's a good one. I have this big thing with my, without going too far off topic, I have this big thing. My parents are from, like, New York and Pennsylvania, and I grew up in Florida. And my sister and I say Florida, but they say Florida. And I'm like, that, it's an O. It's, it's Florida. You don't say Florida. It's Florida. Yeah, we're saying it together. Florida. Florida. And, like, and, like, like, I, I, like, I have, like, being a word nerd, I have all my, like, I have all my phonetic rules in line, and like giraffe is 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 a great one for Jeff. I usually say you don't say sparts, you say sports. Why would you say Florida? I mean, um, the the English language and our colloquial pronunciations of anything are yeah. <laughs> are absurd. Uh, might I direct yeah. you to, on the map to Cairo, Illinois? It's spelled Cairo, but it's pronounced Cairo. Um, it's it's a it's an absurd place. Uh, to live and to exist. 
But Brita cheats. Brita cheats. <laughs> Brita cheats in, in In a very old-fashioned way. Cheats by making a little crib sheet uh, on a tiny piece of paper. It's a tiny piece of paper. Uh, and this is where... It is exciting to see Jeff Winger kind of jump into the lawyer format that we haven't seen like in full swing yet. We've seen him do his monologuing, which is close. It's adjacent, mm-hmm. if you will. But this is the first time where we see him defend it. And, of course, naturally they do the call back to um, making the case about 9-11 as he did for um, Professor... Ian oh Duncan. Uh, Professor uh, John uh, Oliver. Ian Duncan. I keep Professor... I almost said that. Not even joking. I'm so bad at names in real life and in TV. So pardon me. No, you're um, all right. But, yeah. No, like, they mention it early on where he's, he's like, how you managed to make my case about 9-11... You know, and then let course, alone why that helped. Yeah, he's sitting there, and they're in a pool house. How they they have an Olympic sized swimming pool, <laughs> and with a with a two six thousand dollar judges table. Yeah, I'm, and he, just like a university would. He goes, uh, he goes, he goes uh, not what was it? America wasn't the only thing that changed on 9/11, and they were like, "No, absolutely not." They boo. Boo. And he goes, <laughs> "I'd like to take a brief recess," and then they're like, "No, we're not doing that. Absolutely not. We're not stopping the ceremony." And then someone, of course, jumps into this this pool and splashes the electron electric table, and they're like, "Whoa, whoa, we need to stop." Cut to commercial. It's great, but the other really exciting thing about this episode is we finally get more close one-on-one with Dean and we get yes it's like our introduction to the Dean where we start to really get um by the way Britta are these the boots in question that he just mentioned yes they are are they comfortable uh yes good just wanted to know they look cute I they look cute for me, I look at that and I go, I resemble that from Mark. How dare you act so eloquently? <laughs> it's so it's, it's, he's, he's an exciting character to get into. So. He's an exciting character. I love the Dean. One of the, the major forces. This is the first big Greendale episode mm-hmm. where you start to get the idea of Greendale outside of just being a community college and being an exceptionally strange community college uh, with all these rules. And that really sparks off in the next episode. Um, now, fun fact, uh, these these first like six episodes of Community Pilot Excluded were are filmed and written in a different order than they are. Uh, they were shown on TV that or sorted here on sense. Netflix. I mean, as are so like that's pilot, why I think that's for most like pilot seasons of most shows, right? A lot of uh, anything that's not like super plot driven that often happens on yeah. and you do it to like, oh, we'll stack the some of the better episodes at the front or like episodes that are more like acceptable or feature like Chevy Chase more. So that's why in the pool scene, uh, there are posters featuring the Greendale human being in his finished form one episode I before they design that. that mascot. See, for me, yeah, the thing that on Wikipedia, they have the film order. but That makes sense. For me, the thing that once you said that, I was like, that makes sense because there's a line that Abed says where he, he, he where they're like he's like can you stop i forget what the context is they, they ask him to stop commenting he goes sexual tension will they or won't they and he goes can we stop with this like you know can you stop commenting us like we're characters in, in a tv show he goes he goes yeah i have been lying on that bit a little heavily 
I did that a lot last week. Yeah, I'll lay low for this episode or something <laughs> like that. Like really, you know, really one of those meta moments. And I remember thinking back, I'm like, the episode before this, he wasn't doing that a lot. He was – there are several episodes where Abed is commenting on the actual tensions and like things as if he's watching a TV show. The episode prior to that one, he wasn't really. And that to me was like, what? And I never noticed mm-hmm. it before, but this this go around that was something I caught. So it makes sense that they changed yeah. the order a little bit. Speaking of uh, yeah. speaking of the trial, where you see this human being and the, the human being in the background, you remember the the hall that the trials in is called Borshirt Hall, right? Yeah. And Borshirt is the name of the guy that founded Greendale. Russell Borshirt's Whoa. the guy in season five that you meet later. So that's oh. a that's a deep. Uh, I guess it's a deep callback, it's, it's, probably. Yeah, Not it's a, a deep floor. callback when it happens in season five. It's not a plant here, no, but the no. community is so weird and obsessive about that kind of shit yeah. uh, that you can you can see that seeded throughout. So, uh, so eagle-eyed uh, listeners, please take note. Yeah, also, um, Pierce's songs talks about learning air conditioner repair. And yeah, I caught that. That doesn't get brought up until, that doesn't happen until season three. Oh. That's such a fun yeah. plot, too. I cannot wait to get into it. <laughs> Crazy I'm, uh, I'm kind of going through something, and if you don't mind looking the other way while I leave. <laughs> oh. uh, I, was, so, I, for some reason, I didn't realize so, there was a reference. I was like, what's happening right now? Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm going through, I'm just going to say it here on the air so where it is specifically <laughs> being recorded and Kevin will not edit it out. Let me just get my deepest, darkest things on the microphone. Exactly. Because <laughs> if you're, if you're doing something like this, you're kind of broken anyway. So you're more likely to confess your soul on the air than you are to like the people that mean the most to you. In all honesty, I feel like if I don't confess my soul while talking about community, I'm failing to like play along with the bit. I'm failing to live up to how this show has affected me. Uh, so so it would it would be dishonest to not talk about yeah. uh, my own building blocks. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I think uh, building blocks. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try real hard on this segue real quick. Building blocks equal structure. Structure parallels parallel from Britta sabotaging herself to Troy sabotaging himself when it comes to football. Okay. Let's talk about it. Oh, so okay. Good. So we are I'm already so away from advanced criminal law. We are already um, <laughs> uh, away from it. I would like just one last thing before we say goodbye to advanced criminal law. Um, I do love, uh, the, the funniest moment of the episode is Senor Cheng, uh, when Britta's like, you can't get people to turn, and he's like, turn on her, and everyone's <laughs> just whipping shit out of her. <laughs> Classic, beautiful, uh, very broad sense of comedy. Anyway, segueing over to, uh, football feminism and you, uh, for which <laughs> Donald Glover deserves a primetime Emmy. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would give he, it to him for just about every episode, but this one especially. You could pick any number of episodes, but boy howdy, does he carry this one on his back and do eight of the funniest things I've ever seen in my time. <laughs> his delivery of those politically conservative fight raps. <laughs> His delivery of the fight reps, his exchanges with Jeff. Uh, here's uh, my favorite one is uh, uh, Jeff says, uh, a lot of your favorite uh, football players started at community college. And he's like, name one. He's like, who's your favorite? He's like, me. Whoa. <laughs> 
This is also is, a really famous exchange of like, it's in your blood. That's racist. It's in your soul. That's racist. It's in your eyes. That's gay. That's homophobic. That's black. That's racist. Like, damn. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> like, truly, like, I, oh, that's one of my favorite back and forths. Maybe ever. This decision has to be yours, yeah. T-Bone. How'd you know my nickname was T-Bone? Because you play football and your name your, starts with T. <laughs> Your name starts with a T. T. Uh, That's exceptional. This is the best plotted episode of the show so far. Yeah. In the way that it Mm. brings all three of its disparate plot lines together. And they, like, overlap. So, like, Annie's arc resolves in Britta's plotline and then the the Pierce and the Dean resolve like in the way that this show sometimes just blissfully and seamlessly brings all of its narrative threads together it pulls it off so well in this episode that you don't even notice it at first the way that it's just (laughs) casually perfectly resolving everything It's, it's so entertaining and we get our second appearance of Garrett Garrett. In one of my favorite like bits from the show, just this whole the Abed learning what messing with someone is, um, and just, that's from the previous oh, it episode. Is the, I lied. I'm a liar. I'm bad at this. You I said earlier I'm me. so good at this. I retract that statement. <laughs> I'm really bad at this. <laughs> Uh, football episode does feature the premiere of one of my stealth favorite community characters, a red-haired student who is only in a few episodes, but he's the guy who's like, dude, we have feelings. Uh, Is this your first pep rally or something? And he's only in like a few episodes, but every time he fills that role and slates, destroys every single time. I love him. Yeah, it's, it's all very exciting stuff. Maybe you and I the creation of the Greendale human being. Mm-hmm. Maybe you and I should check out the Greendale Thunderdome. <laughs> dome to come. The later. dome arrives later. It comes with thunder. <laughs> it's so dumb. I uh, love that this show posits that there will be press at a pep rally for a community college football <laughs> team. Uh, I know that uh, Greendale, Colorado is not a large place, but that it would have press at the pep rally is uh, hysterical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that we get to see the Dean start to, like, bribe Jeff, and mm-hmm. we start to get, we get, like, the foundation of the Dean's strange obsession with Jeff is really starting to show its ugly head. He goes... So, oh, it's crispy. Yeah, yeah. Is this actual bed header? Do you probably? Oh, it's crispy. It's just. Oh, he, it's crispy. I, 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 there's no doubt in my mind that they <laughs> that, that the dean was a small character that they were they just had him with, and then they, they started playing with him, and they fell in love with him, and they just let him kind of run wild and turned him into Absolutely. easily one of my favorite characters in the whole show. It uh, the 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 role as written originally is supposed to be like a straight laced. Um, like a like an Animal House style Dean, like from any of those college yeah. movies, the very like hard nosed to business kind of guy. And then Jim Rash comes walking in, and they're like, "Oh, we can slap this guy in a short sleeve dress shirt, and and uh, we will we will weave comedy gold oh, for six years. We will run on brilliant. this guy. It is absolutely brilliant. 
a, a masterclass in line delivery of some lines <laughs> that you're like, oh, that's kind of funny as written, but Jim Rash takes it and fucking dunks it yeah, every great. single also, time. Also, like, this show is so fucking full of references that get called back to later that I'm realizing it as I'm reading back through the script. Like, even th- in this, like, the last episode had air conditioning repair and the the name of the the room with the pool uh and then the human being if you want to count that as foreshadowing in some way this episode <laughs> troy says that the dean looks like moby and like yeah. that gets played on later too wait moby no, I, I caught that. that that line that line didn't land yeah. for me. I was that confused. dude looks Someone like moby that? well so moby's the musician he's a he's a uh, electronic musician who looks like dean pelton and the whole onus of Chang's world domination scheme is to find a guy that looks like the Dean to replace him, and he finds him at the doppelganger party for the Jewish kids' bat mitzvah, and the doppelganger that looks like the Dean is the guy that's the doppelganger of Moby, who's the DJ of the party. Oh, that's funny. And so Troy, in episode uh, season one, says he looks like Moby, and then later Chang will take someone who looks like Moby and replace them with the Dean. It's... Oh yeah, and if I Whoa. am if I am not mistaken, we'll find out in a few months. Uh, I think the guy that plays the fake Dean also played Phoebe on How I Met Your Mother, <laughs> another <laughs> like Moby doppelganger from a, a sitcom that started in the two thousand. Incredible, yeah, wild. Yeah, the only time where a Moby joke could land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah, I still, I still, I still, I, th- I think Moby's lost to me. I don't know, maybe it was past my time. I just. Um, have you seen any of the Have you seen any of the Bourne movies? No. Damn. Yeah, he does the music that ends that. He does one song on the Holes soundtrack. Oh. Um, and I then notably, he claims to have dated Natalie Portman when she was like seventeen. Ah. <laughs> that is, Moby alleges Natalie Portman does not. <laughs> Specifically, mm. she does not mm. allege that story. Uh, she does not corroborate gotcha. Moby's tale. I know somebody who uh, played Wipeout with Moby in their college dorm room. That Wipeout? The racing game on the... PlayStation? Oh. oh I immediately envisioned <laughs> that they were on that reality TV show together. Yeah, I was like, yo, what? Hold on, someone got money. They played with like the, with the big red balls that like they're just laughing at people fall down. Like that, he <laughs> did that with <laughs> in someone's dorm room. In their dorm room. Yeah. <laughs> All right, someone ex- like the Wii game of White House. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> what kind of higgledy piggledy is this? Oh my god. I mean, what kind of higgledy piggledy is this? I ask you. You like wasn't there I feel like I'm forgetting cuz so much happened in these episodes. And then we have also like we have uh Britta learning how to how to girl be talk. a girl in the bathroom. Did you learn nothing from stand-up comedy in the 90s? <laughs> which is a, a joke that I love. Punchline. Uh, exceptional. You have uh, the creation of the human being. This, this uh, not being racist is the new racist. Yep. With this, this mausoleum of every racial trait up on the wall. It's kind of, it's kind of wild that that's actually like a pretty accurate foreshadow of like real life, not like within like like meta foreshadow. Like we literally were like, we were like, hey, we you know Barack Obama was no longer president, and then people were just like, oh, I don't see color, and it's like not being racist is the new being racist kind of thing. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> it, it, at the time, it feels like kind of scathing where you're like, okay, people are like trying to help out. But now, much like with Britta, where it's like, oh, it's the portrayal of this one kind of person. Uh, the This uh, portrayal of the Dean as the hyper-racially unaware, even though he is more racially aware than anyone, <laughs> yeah. um, feels so much like the the current discourse. Exactly what you said. It's kind of wild. That, that it, 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 it's it prescient. Some, it somehow, it was like intentionally cringy, and it aged better than stuff that wasn't. And it's kind of a mindfuck how they pulled that off. This whole show is so fucking smart, and I think that, like, for people that maybe don't want to get into film or shows the way that we have or we do, um, mm-hmm. I think that this show has a, has a, I don't know, like, a tendency even to draw them into that kind of thinking, because mm-hmm. so many of the short conversations are so fucking smart that you're mm-hmm. like, man, this show's really smart, and, like, not many shows do that on a regular basis, like... Right. And I know that Aaron Sorkin is divisive, and some people love him, and some people hate him. I'm on the sure. side of the former. I love everything he does, even if some of it's a little misled. Um, <laughs> his dialogue is really, really, really. The well newsroom crafted. has some problems, is what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> some, maybe, but I still there are some issues. But I still eat that show like it's just a bowl of chocolate, and I'm yeah, I just oh, I love it because the dialogue, sure. and it's like. Uh, someone described it as like conversation porn. It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> and this show is some real conversation porn. <laughs> yeah, and community community does do that in a comedic way in more mm-hmm. ways than one. And mm-hmm. like I remember, I just watching through this episode, like when Annie jumps out of the fucking bush. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm following you. And Jeff's like, I'm not having a conversation uh, with someone who emerges from a bush. And she's like, why? Because I'm right? And he's like, no, because I'm not in a cereal commercial. I'm not in a commercial for breakfast cereal. <laughs> like, it's like, what? It's so smart. It's so smart. It's so smart it's and simultaneously so, so stupid. <laughs> That's a falcon with a gun. Pierce turns it and he goes, no, it's a falcon with an erection. <laughs> Well, even the very, is it the <sighs> beginning of this episode? No, it's the beginning of the previous episode. I didn't I didn't uh, bring it up, but like the very very beginning, before even the opening stinger, is that conversation where where um, John Oliver's character, Professor Duncan, Ian Duncan, Professor Duncan's know. trying to find out if Britta's available, and Jeff ends the uh, conversation. The pouty, strident, Kate Blanchett sexuality and the ridiculous name. <laughs> he goes, Britta. He goes, could you imagine? <laughs> Honestly, living with living that. With um, that. <laughs> are the, the two of you an item? And if so, would that item, item be impervious to sabotage? <laughs> but even the end of that conversation where Jeff's just saying bye and says cheers, and then Abed walking by so, says mash, and then <laughs> Professor Duncan goes, faulty towers, booyah, I win, and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> It's just the Which end is of such a sentence, a and it's an exchange. Strange joke. It's such a strange joke. <laughs> it's fantastic. And also, I think the other thing that's great about that is that's the beginning of the episode. And the very end of the episode is Professor Duncan being like, you're right, and I think that you should have to deal with psychological counseling once a week, every month with me and it's just a perfect tie back into how they established his relationship with her yeah. and they it, it was a really it's a nice way to kind of yeah, add another level happened. of depth between <laughs> yep that just happened it's the uh, so good. <laughs> teacher <Thank> chang 
<laughs> you were a <laughs> professor. Oh, it's so good. I yes. woke up at 5.58 in the morning, took, took my morning deuce. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. It's so good. And then episode six it, ends with that post credit scene of Troy and Abed on the PA. Oh, which is no. Which is funny on its own. Which is funny on its own. But then <laughs> the security guards show up, and it's just Troy Double, and Abed. Speaking of doppelgangers. Yeah. You, this, this show can do almost any every kind of humor right because you have uh witty dialogue mm-hmm. repartee if you want to see chevy chase you know clumsily kick stuff off a desk you have that physical element if you want to see dumb guy humor there's dumb guy humor yep. there's there's fucking callbacks there's weird side characters there's mm. absurdism like when the doppelganger cops come in like you get almost Co- you get you and them- of course later you get all Parody, would like you it's, call it's them couplegangers? Every... Oh, Co- I, I would. Hate it. I would. <laughs> I would. Um, it's just it's every kind of comedy. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, you never see it blend like this. No, no, you really don't. I think it's also really exciting that um, with the dot with the sorry with the couplegangers, we start to Thank see. You. Yep. Yeah, of course. Uh, there's this. Uh, I mean, so with the post, we start to get a little bit of a development in the post-credit scenes. So all of the post-credit scenes up until now have been Troy and Abed, which I believe they continue to be, uh, maybe with like Jeff Winger coming in, and all of them take place on that couch. Or there's the one where they're crumping in the study hall room. This one, yeah, we then start to see it's it's no longer during school hours. It's after school hours. So we now have established. A time, a time period that's not been shown even within an episode, that these two are hanging out outside of class now, and they're exploring the school. And it's a really subtle way of saying, like, hey, these two are going to get up to some shit. And I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What's... Is this the... Is uh, this the... Oh, no. Oh, I was like, the call ended. It didn't. It was just switching to the no, end we're of we're switching to the... Yeah, yeah. Uh, now I am bringing up the Microsoft Word document, the Holy Grail. Uh, but we don't We don't need to start on it right now. No, you're good. You're but good. This, this show is so anal about callbacks. The Coppelgangers come back at least <laughs> twice off the top of my head. Like, at least twice? Which is... Yeah, they're, they tase, they're they tase Jeff and, and Chang, for sure. Yeah, they they later this season they bring out the tasers and they're in the uh, claymation Christmas episode. It's oh it's unbelievable. The the they are characters that end and end tag, <laughs> but they this show will not let go of anything. It will hold on to every callback for as long as it possibly can. Oh, honestly, sometimes yeah, too dude. long. But and honestly, if you if we could if I could give anybody who watches this show any advice, it's never write off the background as not having anything important. Oh my good. There's so many times this show will use the background to like foreshadow or mm-hmm. further develop what's going on. And it, like the first time I watched it, didn't notice it. My second watch through years ago, I was like, oh shit, Abed is delivering a baby in the back of that scene. Like Yes. Like that happens. That happens. Oh yeah. And when Shirley's when Shirley's pregnant and he's like, I can help, and they're like, What? And he's like, I delivered a baby last year. That happens in this previous season. It does you you can see it in the background. Barely. 
Um, oh my goodness. Or like when. Oh my. God. It's dude. It happens. It's ridiculous. When. Oh, someone's uh, gonna have to point it out when that happens because oh, I, we'll do, for one, oh, we will. We will. That. Uh, and there's there's like a a, a three season long. <laughs> Uh, joke that is punctuated by a background walkthrough. Like, it's oh, so... Yeah. It's the Beetlejuice. Real. The Beetlejuice, the Beetlejuice joke. Yeah, exactly. Yep. We will cross the bridge when we come to it. Uh, but, yeah, it's... It, there is no... There's nothing... There's no throwaways here. No. Um, well, there are a couple throwaways. <laughs> uh, uh, we will we will find them, and you'll be like, huh, maybe they thought Catherine McPhee would be a bigger character on this show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every time I see, every time she pops up, I'm like, it's weird to me that I watched her on American Idol first, and now she's making out with Jeff Winger. Yeah, the, oh the, the God, one right. the one time I can think of that it's like a topical guest star that it's like oh this is someone who is like cro- we are cross promoting another show in the same way that every year around the Grammys the CSI shows have like Nelly Furtado as the killer one week or or mm-hmm. something like that every was single this, yeah. I, this might be a question that's this might be for the totally wrong audience but was this going on you know are any of you familiar with the show smash yes this is long before smash. It was, that's season one of community I is it was several smash. years pre-smash so smash comes out like, while i'm in college right maybe she was like i, I want to do a tv show i need to build my reel what can i do how do i get in here maybe she's, she knew someone seeding smash three or four years ahead she's, of time. yeah she's, she's you know i mean well if anything if we've learned anything about community, the people who are making community sure do know how to plant seeds. And uh, I think and they, they know how to get that. work. They know how to work. They, know, they work. They know how These to be consistently employed. working actors. It is kind of insane that this is, I mean, not necessarily the start for a lot of them, but early career for a lot of them. Yeah. And it's so cool yeah. that they're like oh, now- mega stars now. I almost forgot to talk about Donald Glover's career leading up to this point. So Donald Glover is, he's, he starts out as an NYU student. Um, and, uh, he starts a sketch comedy group there with DC Pearson Mm -hmm. and a few other people called Derek comedy. They produce some of the like really early successful YouTube sketch videos. Um, they're a little dated like camera wise, but I, I still think they're worth a watch if anyone's just (laughs) looking for some real stupid shit. Uh, we already mentioned, uh, my name is Brian and I like like to skateboard, skateboard. uh, but there are so many other classic groups in there. While in college, he gets a writing job on 30 Rock. Like, in the first season of 30 Rock, there are eight fucking writers, and one of them is Donald Glover. Uh, while he's an RA at NYU, uh, it's unreal, and he's only in, like, one or two episodes. He, like comes in as a PA once and he comes in as a flashback Tracy Morgan once. Oh, uh, I love and... that. That's so right. He does. Yeah. And then he leaves 30 Rock to go be on a incredibly successful cult sitcom uh, for years and then he becomes a, a giant in the music industry and fucking Simba in the Lion And then he directs a show that wins an Emmy. And yeah, oh, so he's, my God, he's just racking it. Just perf- I love that show so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good so, show. So, um, real quick, with at the risk of a making the show run long, which never happens, and b um, no. possibly leaving the 
purview of the two episodes we're in, just to return to that Abed delivering a baby, I'm going to share a video <laughs> with you guys that I didn't realize this. I, that story is not just that episode. What? So in the episode really? where they have the STD fair and mm-hmm. Jeff hears over the intercom, if you got to have sex tonight, don't wear condoms. That couple is in the background and you can see them throwing the condom away. And then nine months later, you can see Abed in the background with his, with his head against a pregnant woman's stomach. And it's the woman from the episode where the, you see the couple throw away the condom. Wait, when you say and nine then, months later, do you mean like... In the show, like nine months later, like that had the, the STD fairs in season one, him mm-hmm. helping the babies mm-hmm. in season two, a full nine months after, he puts his ear up to a pregnant woman outside the study room. And then later when... when uh, shirt, or, uh, Annie and Britta are arguing over the oil pit that they make. Mm-hmm. You can see Abed getting like in a fight and then running away from the boyfriend of the woman who's pregnant. And then in another episode, you can <laughs> see him helping her sit down at lunch in the cafeteria while, while uh, Jeff is talking to Duncan. And then later in that episode, you can see her delivering the baby. And then in the next episode, Shirley's talking to Abed and he's distracted, looking over her shoulder. And when it shows Shirley, it's the couple with their baby. Like this, oh my it happens for so fucking long, guys. This I'm show so is so smart. Don't write yeah, off they... the background of any episode or any scene. Re, fucking. And they let us. They let us know to do that too. Like even a few episodes back, where we've got I can't remember his name. The professor sees the day. Uh, Whitman. Whitman, where he just starts climbing the tree. Like there's stuff. Like they let us know. That might be their first reference. Like hey. Notice, notice this guy doing dumb shit? Pay this attention to the background. Pay attention to this. the background. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Truly, truly brilliant. Efficiency of storytelling. <laughs> 100%. 100%. Now comes the time that uh, comes every episode where we update the great community rankings list of both the episodes and the end <laughs> tags. I say we start with the end tags. That's a good idea. It's easier. Back to the um, crafts. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Doogie Seacrest is still... A, let me add a doctor. Let me give him his full title. Yeah, Dr. Doogie Seacrest. Um, um, so this uh, was the pencils. Uh, so first, the pencil mouth. I think it's above crumping, uh, but below Dr. Doogie Seacrest. I agree. I get that. Aye. If nothing else for Donald Glover's posture when he's sticking the pencils in Ovid's mouth. <laughs> his butt sticking up. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it seems like he's asleep at first, and but... It's yeah. <laughs> so good. He sits up and drool just like comes out of the side of his mouth. So good. It's good. All right, and uh, Coppelgangers. Um, mm. I think beneath the Spanish rap, definitely. Yes, I, I think it's just beneath. I think it's between two and, and three. I think it's between I think it's pencil mouth, Doogie, and above pencil mouth. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We, no matter we what, agree on I everything, am guys. There's gonna be no drama. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, there's I'm kidding. definitely there's not gonna be any uh, fights for blood later in those course of the show. <laughs> I think it's class. gonna get harder and harder and harder as we move forward, and that's when we get some like re- like I'm gonna be like, this deserves to be five, and you'd be like, are you kidding? That's twenty eight. You know, like uh-huh. an some real differences of humor. I mean, at this point, there's not a whole lot of variety of space to go anyway. So, right. Absolutes. Right. All right. So, and now the episode rankings. Um, advanced criminal law for me 
I think it's not as good as the pilot, but I think it's a little funnier than social psychology. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would put it there as the new number three. I would agree solely for the Abed pretending to be an alien bit. That makes it such an iconic episode to me that I think it needs to be up there. Not quite interesting film, not quite pilot, but definitely (laughs) top three. Yeah, we went over budget. Oh, uh, so, uh, Caleb, what say you? Do you agree? I agree. Yeah, yeah, you for sure. Okay, that's there we go. One more advanced criminal law, which of course brings us to football feminism and you, I'm, which I oh. will nominate for the new number one. Slot. Okay, I was gonna. Damn it! Damn it! I thought I was gonna have a hot take. Nope. Okay, no. I'll, 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 I, t- I take back what I said. You can have a hot take. No, it's not a hot take because we're going to agree on it. I think it should be number one. <laughs> if nothing, the the stalwart performance of Donald Glover in this episode uh, <laughs> elevates it above everything we've seen so far. Uh, it's... What? <laughs> I mean, I would, I would put, I mean, honest, I would put it toe to toe with Introduction to Film. I think Introduction to Film sets up the season a little bit better than this one. But I mean, I one, I'm outvoted, and two, um, <laughs> and two, I think like it as far as like an, a standalone episode, shit bangs. Like it's a, it's, it's a bomb episode. So I would, I'm, I, I yeah. On your opinion, minute. On your opinion that it should not be one, I might reply with a line from the episode itself. Mm-hmm. Bing, bong, sing along. Your team's Al Gore because your, your team's views Al Gore because your views are wrong. <laughs> Yo, We're just let me say because we don't flip flops. <laughs> the way, the way that he delivers <laughs> teams Al Gore because so, your views are wrong. Fucking it's serious. So it is perfect. Your team's Al Gore because your views are wrong. So aggressive the way to deliver any sort of punchline that is textbook. Your team's Al Gore because your views are wrong. He's like in the girls like that. It's so good. He's to a stranger. Oh, so funny. And that he's just running around the lunchroom screaming his own name. The whole the robot. Uh-huh. I've been waiting an hour. It's all right. I'm worth it. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I mean, I will forever say Troy and Abed are the best part of this show, as far as a consistency in characters. They're always I mean, funny. They're, they're always the, funny. The, the, the structure, the way that it's written, where there's always great bits, like that is the true charm. That is like the ingenuity of the show, but the, like the soul that 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 makes me crave this and like want to take it an IV straight into my bloodstream. Troy and Abed, without a doubt. Absolutes. Abs- uh, I th- I think it's that time for our own credit sequence uh, where we talk about uh, any any plugs, any updates to give to the fine folks. Oh yeah, do that. Yes. Um. Uh, oh. I'll go first. I'll go first. I didn't go last time. I'll oh, go first. Throw it. Um, if you want to, I know times is hard right now, uh, and I, I feel a little guilty putting this out there, but if you like the show, you want to support it, uh, patreon.com slash TV's Kevin. This show starts making some money, so will my co-hosts. Uh, so, you know, uh, it's not just for old Kev. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, I do it for the love of the game anyway. 
Oh yeah, we gotta you know we're supposed to, you gotta put a little skin in the game. You never know. You never the know. community fans are crazy folk. They are. So maybe <laughs> you never know. Uh, let's see, Puffin Publishing Podcast is my improv comedy show. Uh, Jan uh, Jive Action Nerds is my tabletop RPG show, um, and I I think that'll do it uh, here for today. TV's Kevin Lanigan on all the stuff. Oh, and uh, we do have a Twitter account for the show itself if you want to follow that. Oh, I saw uh, that. At, gr- <laughs> at Greendale3. I was so oh. surprised when there was a Twitter notification with my name on it. I yeah. was like, did, did somebody mm-hmm. compile a list of Twitter of uh, community podcasts? Uh, I guess so. Yeah, there. I mean, I like I said, and like, you know, community fans Greendale are another strata. And I was like, people. who's that? That's a cute name. That's us? That was us. Oh, that was That was... <laughs> Oh, I, was like, I was like, I would um, like this list if we were on it, but I don't see intro to what I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, advanced, it. it didn't, like, advanced community was taken. Like, I couldn't find a good uh, breakdown of that, so I just went with Greendale 3. I think that's uh, got a it was great open. ring to it. It's perfect. Thanks. It's perfect. Should we rebrand the name of the show to that so there's consistency in nope. marketing? <laughs> nope. Too late. <laughs> Too late. Sorry. Uh, we just got to start in the beginning of the episode saying we are the Greendale 3. Ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. Well, there you go. Established. Y'all heard it here first, <laughs> and you'll hear it here only. Here, 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 and here, here, here. <laughs> As you can tell, the quarantine is getting to my brain. I'm going to go ahead and do this thing that I started doing uh, last. I did last episode. I gave a shout out to someone within my little queer community. Um, but this time, I'm going to give a shout-out to a comedian, or a comedian, uh, account. It's called The Homo Sapien Experience. Um, it's on, they're on Instagram. It's the underscore homo underscore sapien underscore experience. I'm not going to spell it. Figure it out. If you go, they've got some (laughs) great videos. (laughs) They got some great stuff going on. He releases content. His name's Matt. Um, I don't know if he ever says that in in the process he's a dear friend of mine he is in my show which we just had a zoom meeting reading for to be able to get it moving while we're not able to have rehearsals in real life he's an absolute dream truly funny um and bringing you that uh gay content you didn't know you wanted uh and a little while ago, we actually had a meeting uh, about how to diversify the queer lens that these stories are being told in. A lot of times, gay comedy is very specifically like cis white gay, which is fine. It's fine. It's 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 fine. But you know, <laughs> I, I I want other. It's stuff. not. And it's you know, uh, not a bummer. It's fine. It's that was fine. a it's fine. <laughs> yes. But yeah, we had we had a little round table with a bunch of fantastic trans POC, you know, trans femme, trans mask, non-binary, andro, all just lesbians. I mean, just the, the whole gamut of queers, the rainbow of rainbows. <laughs> um, so keep your eyes out. Go ahead and give them give him a follow, that account a follow, and keep your eyes out for more lovely, scrumptious, funny gay content. Perfect. Wonderful. Um, I am still doing the video game podcast every Wednesday live on Twitch and goes out on Fridays if you want to listen to it when we're not live so you don't have to see our ugly faces. Um, I threw up a review of a super wickedly creative indie game called Bloodroots um, on the site and on YouTube today. So if you want to see it and hear my dulcet voice, you can check that out. Um, what am I doing outside of that? Not shit right now. Um <laughs> 
lots of writing and making videos that's all stuff that's incoming but i don't want to talk about yet um (laughs) oh oh also there's an i i really want to just say this but i don't know if i should there's a really good article yeah right there's a really good article on vice about somebody quitting gamestop because they got fucked over by him too much that you should read um Read before you pre-order. Yeah, and it's written by someone named C.T. Collins, and I don't know who that is. Uh, uh, who? Who could that be? <laughs> oh, who is that masked man who saved us? Is this the Phantom of the Opera? Um, but you can find me anywhere at Lubwub, uh, L-U-B-W-U-B, everywhere. At Facebook, not Facebook, <laughs> I lied. Twitter, Instagram, Xbox, PlayStation, all the important shit. Bingo. Standing in the bookstore line, waiting for the bell to chime, so you can go to class. Dancing in your underwear, taking air conditioner repair. Is this Bruce Hornsby? Does he know he stole it? I think so. Let me enjoy it. Can we get sued? Not sure. Greendale's away it goes. Yeah, they got us. Some things are still the same. Slop pails and pantyhose. Oh, and he believes in me. And my computer operates via hand crank. I oh. need to constantly be churning uh, uh, power for my little boy. Have you thought about upgrading to a mouse on a little wheel, powering that whole thing? Uh, no, I did. I I do. Uh, uh, on, on its way to me now, uh, on the U.S. Postal Service, via U.S. Postal Service, which will soon close, um, I, I am getting a sort of treadmill that I can uh-huh. uh, walk on to use my computer and generate my own power. <laughs> very exciting. That's very good. I'm trying that's, to be green like by shipping wanted. a treadmill via USPS. I mean, that's heroic. But quibbing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really the hero here. But yes, um, for anyone who might, uh, I mean, for the one or two people listening who might not be intimately versed with all of the streaming products on Quibi, I would like to hear about a few of the shows available. Do you know about any of them? Um, I know that one of them has the second Hemsworth and Christoph Waltz. I have no idea what it's about. I know one of them has Will Forte and Caitlin Olsen. Uh, again, none of these ads have given me an idea of what their shows are about. They just wanted to show me Bill Murray's face and say, Bill Murray is here. That's what they wanted me. That's all they wanted me to see. Uh, because we, at Quibi, uh, we wanted to monetize YouTube, a feat that even YouTube itself could not pull off. Um, and I really, I, we, we thought we had the good ideas over at Quibi, an app I developed. Well, on, on your app, I'm on it and I didn't even know Bill Murray was on a show. So you are currently on Quibi. I'm currently on Quibi. I'm okay. Did, did all of my good, uh, uh, programming come through? Are you, um, eating up data, even though you're on Wi-Fi? Are uh-huh. you uh, getting roaming charges as if you are in international waters on Quibi? Because mm-hmm. that, that is what I intended. It is showing that I'm traveling through uncharted places. And I'm also getting a little nom 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 of my data being eaten up by 
the Quibi Q. Yes, it's, I want every time we eat uh, a gigabyte of your data plan. I I want. Are you hearing the cartoonish uh, sound effect of it being eaten? Yes, and it's opening up kind of like a Pac Man, but the Q is the mouth, like mm-hmm. a Pac Man would when he eats little power pellets. Uh huh. And it's just you're watching. There's a train. There should be if if Quibi is working optimally at the bottom of the screen. There should be a bar representing your entire data plan. As yeah. the little munchkin works its way slowly yes. uh, down your down your data plan, yeah, it's sneaking um, It should be eating it literally. Yes, it is. And but sometimes it does put a little bit of mustard on it, a little grape upon, uh, just to make it a little bit more delectable. Which I, th- which the ba- bottle does say it's worth about seventy megabytes. Sure. Or- yeah. I mean, you don't want to um, eat ungarnished, unseasoned data mm. i want i want uh the no, mascot no, no. who we call quibibi uh <sighs> we we the quibi b we want him to be able to eat to his um to his heart's content of course of course now let me tell you these are all real shows which i'm sure you know because you designed the app but uh mm-hmm. there's a version of punked with chance the rapper and it's he pranks people by yep. telling them very insane things there's an episode I've watched two episodes yeah, so far. Yeah, we didn't want the classic uh, elements of Punked that involved elaborate scenarios. <laughs> we didn't want, um, you know, celebrity cameos. We didn't want, you know, Wilmer Valderrama in a fake casino or whatever. No, no, That's no. not what we wanted. Uh, we wanted to cut the production value straight out, and we wanted it to be a show of Chance the Rapper in a blank white room telling you lies <laughs> and see if you believe Chance the Rapper. Well, Chance the Rapper has an episode where he goes to see uh, Lil Nas X of Old Town Road fame, and he tells Lil Nas X, who's diligently practicing for rehearsing for his Grammys performance, which then upcoming, uh, he tells Lil Nas X, or he has a proxy tell Lil Nas X, like, "Hey, we're from the FBI. You're being arrested for tax evasion," and that's it. That's the whole. A classic. <laughs> a classic. Got it. Oh, it's a classic gambit. A classic bit. Um, do you did you see that we at Quibi are uh, are doing a reboot of the Jamie Kennedy experiment? Jamie Kennedy's uh, prank show. No, I did not. That's a great. I'm very proud of the reboot of the Jamie Kennedy experiment that we're currently working on. You've been exed was, of course, the famous uh, uh, catchphrase from the Jamie Kennedy experiment that, of course, we are uh, actively rebooting. We're very proud of that one here at Quibi. I I do remember, now that I'm thinking about it, and you, I'm sure, already know about this, Judge Chrissy Teigen, Mm -hmm. where famed uh, person who is funny, not just on Twitter, Chrissy Teigen, she's a judge. I do. Um, Some sort of a Judge John Hodgman-type figure... Uh, where she is going to tell it like it is a, str- a, a straight talking, no nonsense judge, uh, Chrissy Teigen, uh, co starring Chrissy Teigen's mom, Chrissy Teigen's mom. Oh my God. Which is a great premise. I haven't gotten around to watching that one yet, but I have watched Thanks a Million, uh, which the premise of the show is that one celebrity goes, and so far they have examples like Tracy Morgan, uh, Kristen Bell. Nick Jonas, this celebrity goes up to a random person that's impacted their life and gives them $50,000 in cold, hard cash. But then the caveat is 
that this person who just got $50,000 in cold, hard cash has to then go to some other random person and give away half their money. What? Oh, classic. I mean, like, that's even... Even Chance the Rapper couldn't think of that. Even, you know, even he's not such a... A, a notorious prank master to think of something like that. It's a cuckoo bananas show. <laughs> it's absolutely, uh, uh, it's scintillating. I was about to say television, but we're not TV. We're Quibi. Um, oh, you guys, and we're, we're, we're so far beyond television. Uh, over here at Quibi, the app I developed. Uh, and of course, we have various shows starring, again, uh, the second Hemsworth, Christoph Waltz, Will Forte, Caitlin Olsen, and uh, we're not going to tell you what they are. We're just we're going to make you find them. And none of the none of the images on my app Quibi will show you which one is which because I really want you to like find the content. You know how Steven Spielberg is writing a show for us mm-hmm. over here at Quibi, um, and it's a show that will only be available at nighttime in your area. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I want that for everything. I want I want. I want it to be like when you're playing an absolutely obnoxious RPG and it's like, actually the shopkeep is only here from four to four 30 on Thursdays. And if you don't make it, sorry, fucker, you're going to have to, to buy some turnips next week. Uh, you're going to have to turn in that quest some other time, baby. Well, I will say that's what I want the Quibi experience to be like. Well, you successfully achieved such a disorienting, uh, experience because there's a show on here that stars will arnett it's called memory hole and when you click on the show he just starts saying random things about pop culture without explaining what the show's premise explaining what he's going to do uh like the first episode rap why rap is not a sport he just starts mentioning sports people who have rapped and that is most of the episode very cool i love what we're doing over here it would be such good but paywall content and you know what no one can say that quibi is not getting its absolute perfect time to shine because we are launching quibi at the exact perfect time and if quibi doesn't work now it never could have possibly worked there is no there's no excuse there's no there's no opening cats opposite star wars so when cats flops it's like oh what are we what were we supposed to do what were we sure little women opened at the same time and made a hundred million dollars and cats didn't but like that's not cat's fault no 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 it was up against two juggernauts everyone is at everyone home. wanted to see cats they just wanted to see everything else more exactly like people are not going to now not want to see dismantled the cooking show starring titus burgess where people make food and then just explode it on titus burgess it's essentially just getting slimed from nickelodeon but with food i missed slime time live and i just wanted to bring those good feelings back to the people uh look forward to our remake of double dare coming up uh, look forward to, we're bringing back, uh, any Nicktoons we could get the rights to. So, uh, as told by Ginger, uh, <laughs> we're bringing back, um, the, only the Jimmy Neutron original TV movies. Those are the only ones we got. We got the rights to Timmy Turner when he showed up on Jimmy Neutron only. So we got the rights to the 3D model of Timmy Turner, so I'm excited to put that in 
he'll be the bailiff on Judge Chrissy Teigen a few times. I'm really, I'm looking forward to it. Do you think you could bring Black Planet Sheen, uh, which had a very short run, unfortunately? Uh, yeah, I think I think we can get, we again, we cannot get Jimmy Neutron proper. Right. We can get Planet Sheen. Uh, we, we can get, uh, cat dog, but only the cat half. Yeah. We only yeah, have rights course. to cat. Course, just the cat. Um, the dog has become too expensive and he works with Spiel. Oh, uh, dog, dog asks for too much. Dog, cat dog is a classic Keenan and Kel situation. Yeah. Where one of them went off to superstardom. And one of them just, he could never really resonate on his own. And that was Cat Half. Dog Half, Dog Half did fine. Dog Half, he's asking honestly a little bit much um, for the pedigree that he would bring. Uh, but Dog Half has also been on Mad TV for 35 straight years. So, you know, he's earned his pedigree. Dog Half came up with both Key and Peel. And he, he's a close personal friend with both of them. And he was in Get Out. The known fact. Yeah. Yeah, Dog Half is in uh, Get Out. If you look uh, in the background of the party scene where they bring back Lakeith Stanfield from the beginning of the movie, uh, there is half a dog uh, suffering in the background, limping slowly across the party scene. But he's having fun because he has a little red solo cup in one of his paws. Yeah, and that's how you know he's a party dog. <laughs> um, we are we are auditioning uh, Dog Half of Cat Dog to be the new Spuds McKenzie. Uh, and we, we think there's a, there's a big potential in bringing back that beer, beer dog mascot. Good. Uh, Good. The beer dog mascot that loved the ladies uh, from the nineties when such a thing was uh, appropriate and not against the laws of God. God had not written that particular decree at that time. But God's decrees don't apply to dogs. God's decrees do not apply to dogs. Uh, this is of course, Advanced Community Studies, a podcast about community. Uh, I am TV's Kevin Lanigan, and with me, unintroduced, is a very special uh, guest, is uh, my buddy, uh, uh, stalwarts of the New York comedy scene. Uh, you would know them from their improv team on the DL. Is it, of course, Just Lunning? Hello, hello. Hello and welcome. Thank you for being the first person to request to be on this show. <laughs> I'm just a big fan of you community. You did it. You, you beat the Rat Pack. You, I'm, and now once you started it, the floodgates are open. I'm going to be beating people back with an oar, but you are the first. Welcome uh, to the show. So I want to ask you, at of course the very beginning of this interview and not 14 minutes into it, um, what is your journey with the TV show Community? Tell me a little bit about uh, how you started and and where it has taken you. Uh, so I started by actually watching The Soup. I was a really big fan of The Soup uh, with Joel McHale. You were a soup guy. Uh, I watched that with my dad like every single week when I was <laughs> in middle school. He just loved The Soup. So Joel McHale on The Soup one week was like, hey, guys, I've got a new show called Community coming to NBC. So my dad and I tuned in when the premiere start uh, aired. And ever since then, I watched Community week after week. I was in like eighth grade when the show started, I think, uh, about to be. Okay a freshman uh and i tried to bring up with like my middle school pals and everyone was like i've never heard of community but i kept watching and the show i eventually stopped watching the soup but i kept watching community and and the show kind of brought me into the whole dan Harmon verse of content 
and put me down the rabbit hole of of knowing like channel 101 rob schraub uh stuff heat vision and jack exactly uh, later of course rick and morty which has sort of eclipsed uh community in its own uh set of ways which is fine it's fine uh which, but you know i i get it i understand but yeah heat vision jack his what is it awesomeness tv which was on like mtv for like 20 seconds but the sarah silverman program right exactly but just a bunch of dan Harmon fair stuff and yeah community became a huge basis for my sense of sensibilities like right up there with 30 rock in shows that i watch a lot and think about all the time when i'm writing yeah <laughs> that's kind of where it's taken and i just rewatch the show whenever it hits a new platform or whenever the urge strikes which oh which is pretty pretty path. constant for me i yeah. have to i have to imagine it's similar for you yeah where you're like, mm, damn, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in a bad mood and I want to watch Community. I'm in a good mood, so I kind of want to watch Community. Uh, I, you know, I'm kind of feeling sick or I'm feeling very healthy. I just like want to watch Community. Yeah, because it's just it's such a smart show. There's always new stuff to get on every rewatch because it's very joke packed. It's very information packed. Like I don't think I even noticed that one episode where Abed's like helping the pregnant woman until my second run through. Right. right. And you, you can completely miss it. Or like, I remember watching yeah. that episode for the first time. That's an episode we actually talk about at length in um, the first half of this episode that we're recording right now. Oh, um, I remember I only caught like bits and pieces of that background action. Cause I'm usually just so distracted by the foreground right. action. Like yeah. I want to pay attention to the characters and the dialogue and the story as it's yes. uh, supposedly being told. And so I remember I only caught the bit where he's like actively delivering the baby. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Go- wait, 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 what's <laughs> yeah. going on back then? Uh, and, yeah. and so that is, that is the crazy kind of show that this is there's uh famously you know the beetlejuice joke there are right. all of these uh background gags and callbacks and that is just the the layers upon layers that this show is stacked on which is pretty similar to uh 30 rock which yes. is um again joke 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 and and uh community maybe even i don't know if we could get out a stopwatch and time jokes per minute uh, but community might even outpace 30 rock in that regard. It's just, it's constant. I don't know if community outpaces it just because I know 30 rock got like an award from the WGA for it, but I might be wrong. <laughs> Most <laughs> jokes. Like uh, maybe that feels like kind of a silly superlative, like, um, Oh, most likely to make popcorn, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, community, I just think it has so many layers, has so much setup, especially when it knows where it's going. Uh, I'm rewatching it right now since it hit Netflix and actually intensely rewatching it, sitting down and paying attention to the screen rather than just having it on the background as, as I'm just doing anything else, which is often what happens. And I think on this, on this rewatch, I just noticed in episode five, which I think we might talk about today in episode five, they have that whole psycho- psychology experiment with Professor Duncan, right? And uh, that's that's uh, four. That's four. the episode uh, preceding it. But go You're ahead. right. You're right. That is four. What a fool I am. But in episode four... Oh, you imbecile, you call yourself a fan. 
Well, in episode four, um, they had this great thing where Chang leaves immediately, and he's so mad about possibly lying about starting starting a bit later than expected, right? And I didn't realize mm-hmm. until this rewatch that that's setting up him reeling from his divorce in like episode nine or ten about just not trusting everyone and slowly getting meaner because of the fallout at home. Oh wow! Yeah, and he um. Because the first time we we hear the mention of Senora Chang yeah. is in the Halloween episode, yes, uh, where he talks about uh, Professor Slater not being interested in married Asians that ride mopeds, mm-hmm. um, and and I I'm always never I'm never sure, and one can never be sure, and I have this debate a lot with uh, my second favorite TV show Lost, where it's like, okay, how much of this is set up, or how much of this is oh, we kind of dropped this kernel here just, like, in the spur of the moment. Yeah. Or it seemed like an interesting thing to do. And I think there should be just as much credit given to, oh, we're picking up after ourselves as much as we love to give credit to they had this whole this whole plan, this whole great six-season arc that they had in their heads, mm-hmm. you know? Well, yeah, because picking up after yourself requires just as much attention and detail as to what you're going to build on and how you're going to make something very coherent, which Dan Harmon is excellent at, by the way. Um, And it's just without someone had to go back and read the other scripts and then make a choice. If it is picking back for himself, make a choice in a later episode and say, Hey, we Chang was very untrustworthy. That could have easily been a throwaway joke. And that could have easily been, Oh, that's funny. He's mad. I'd be mad. That's relatable. Ha ha. But they made it into a plot line, which is why it's freaking fantastic, you know? Or it, make, it gives right. it meaning later on. Yeah, I think we we put too much emphasis on, um, oh, they're following this grand plan. And they, yeah. they knew how the show was going to end before they even started filming the pilot. Right. Whereas, like, uh, most of the shows that people love did not have such plans in place. They maybe had, like, an idea of, like, okay, yes. you know, this is the kind of where we're spiraling towards generally, but, uh, you know, Breaking Bad famously had none of that. They were making it up as they went along, and they maybe knew, like, okay, maybe probably Walter has to die at the end. Uh, spoilers, I guess, for Breaking Bad. It's been out for a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe there are all of these these kind of vague ideas of what needs to happen. Like, okay, he will tear his family apart trying to, quote unquote, keep it together. Um, but they were just making up as they went along. And I think uh, their community is exceptionally good at noticing what it had, the toys it's already gotten out of the toy box and what can we do with those? Yes, I agree so much. Uh, like Breaking Bad again, famously they wanted to kill off Aaron Paul in after like the pilot or at the end of season one, in like the first season. Yeah, yeah exactly. Which would have mixed like everything in the rest of the show and got yeah, rid it's, of. It's an El unbelievable idea. That's yeah. so crazy. Yes, but it's like, oh, they changed it. Now they seem really smart because now they have this whole thing with Jane and now they have this whole thing. He's a drug addict. Oh, my God. Ooh, la, la. And Community does very much the same thing. Like they can ex- they expand on little nuggets and make them feel fresh every time. Like something else I've noted in this run is how adept at giving like a schoolyard antagonist to Jeff the show is, like a very singular one uh, for them to overcome. And maybe this is a byproduct of... Dan Harmon's famous story circle where 
it's like, oh, give the character what they want, take it away, whatever. But it's done so well that the, despite the the high school kids that come in for an extra credit and uh-huh. and the foosball people that come in later, they still feel like different antagonists, even though they're just the same antagonists or they're similar enough antagonists to the pool person, the billiards professor. Right. Yeah. Uh, similar enough to Blake Clark's billiards professor yes. or uh, Anthony Michael Hall as the the Christmas time bully. Yeah. Uh, or or any of the uh, rich, uh, the Doctor Pottery. Uh, you know they they can lay out all of these uh, people that can needle at our characters' insecurities and and play off of them in a character way um, as opposed to doing six seasons of a show. No, oh, I apologize. Are you doing okay six seasons of a show? Yeah, I just uh, burped real good. Um, as opposed to doing six seasons of a show where it's like, oh, they take a different wacky class every week. It's like, oh, okay, no, we need to challenge these characters on a character level. Yeah. And they're also really good at reacting to the actors. Like uh, Pierce and Troy were famously supposed to be a duo before production started. And then Abed and Troy arose through just doing the after uh, credit stingers, you know? Right. You they, s- that relationship arises out of like, oh, I don't know. We have these two guys. They seem to get along yeah. and they can both kind of like beatbox. So let's just write a quick fucking Spanish rap. And then that is the first thing from the show that completely takes off. And and they realize that. And so Troy and Abed become the central relationship of the show. Yeah. And like you can even see in the little in the first few episodes of them, they keep trying to push Pierce and Troy and then it slowly peters off like every little nugget, like uh, Pierce becoming the villain of the group. Everyone just like fitting their roles. They're all built upon in this fantastic way that doesn't that feels super organic. Absolutely. Uh, it and it's amazing going back and watching the first season, like sitting down and actually actively watching it in order for the first time in a long time. How quickly all of this sinks into place. How quickly they start to feel at home in their like exact seating positions at the study room table. Yeah. How quickly the the dynamics and the the in jokes and uh, these these plans and setups and punchlines, the characters sink into their roles so quickly and the actors sink into their roles so easily. And it's just, it's smooth as butter early on. I mean, it really gets, finds its footing, I think, around the Chicken Nugget episode. Uh, like that That's works. probably uh, true. Yeah, Chicken Fingers uh, or maybe Pool, um, is, but that's where it really like takes off for you. I think the Chicken Nugget one for or chicken finger episode for me just because that's where the whole ensemble's involved pool has the classic like weirdness and it's obviously a sports film but but it does it really comes into its own for chicken fingers for me yeah chicken fingers is um and maybe i will uh find a counterpoint to this but it's it's first like we're doing a whole episode that is this one pop cultural idea yeah. Um, and and that is uh, a template that the show will follow. But the secret to all of those genre parodies is that it's not just Family Guy, where it's like a, a, re- a, a, a reference. There's always an emotional core to each of those genre episodes. And there's a reason why 
we're mocking this movie or this genre at this moment. Yes. And even when they do the references, there's it's not just like Family Guy, which I think is like fairly surface level, to be honest. Like they just say, here's a thing that everyone knows. It's weird. Community goes into really finite details about how they're referencing it. Like there's there's so much that you have to have a love for the topic they're referencing. The writer has to have a love for the topic they're referencing before they can actually reference it. Uh, like in the Mia Mal Beans thing where Jeff does stand up and like, which is fantastic. He has like a whole thing that's never talked about. Like there's a glass of water next to him, like a normal stand up would have. And there's like all these other little stand up things to set up the environment, you know? And that's what really yeah. distinguishes it from the other shows that you might watch or that I might, I it's- watch. Uh, attention to detail yeah. that is uh, not normally uh, in most of these uh, uh, kinds of programs. And it's Mel Brooks's rule of uh, parody or, or uh, reference is that you have to come at it from a place of love or it's, it's not going to work and it'll just feel hollow. Yeah. What is interesting about watching the first season though, is how it has like a lot more sitcom-y setups like Slater and Vaughn are both characters that feel like vestiges of a sitcom where they were just trying to set up a classic sitcom, you know? Yeah. When they were trying to be a regular show that regular people would watch. Yeah. Uh, like the whole thing at the end of season one, where Britta and Slater both confess themselves to, to Jeff, that feels classic sitcom. That's here we go. We have Rachel and Ross or, and it's funny because after the, in the first season in the Pascal Triangle episode, they just kick all that out the door. And they're saying clean slate for season two. Like that's Va- yeah. that's Vaughn's last episode. That's Slater's last episode. And that's a whole slew of vibes that are different. Like the Dean feels different in his first appearance than every other appearance. Right. And talk about them knowing what they have and, and having this guy who's in one scene of the pilot realizing you kind of have this comedic weapon on your bench mm-hmm. and pulling him up by the end of the show to one of the regular every episode cast members. Yeah. I mean, he's Jim Rash is incredible. He can write so well. He had that season four episode and God, he had the descendants as well. Yeah. The descendants and, and the way, way back. And he did yeah. that uh, remake of force majeure that came out earlier this year. And so you have this Academy award-winning screenwriter playing this absurd unbelievable character in the middle of this this universe and and knowing that you have that that weapon on your table i mean it's amazing how much like hidden talent the show had on it you know like yeah they had just look at the fucking ensemble i mean they have the ensemble all of them would blow up later you had the directors the russo brothers who are now famous for the marvel cinematic universe was they were executive producers on the show and they directed many episodes and then you had justin lynn who runs the fast and the furious franchise all on this one single show and that's not even including it's like oh we're bringing in richard iode from the it crowd to direct a couple episodes and we're we're bringing and jim rash directs a few episodes and they just this incredible stable of people rob schraub directs a bunch of episodes it's just this this litany of talent that that um, is, boy, I'm glad they knew what they had and, and could capitalize on it. I don't think Chris McKenna has talked about it enough. 
Chris McKenna is such a good writer. He's now done like the two, uh, the two Jumanji movies and he's doing that now, which is great, but he is an incredible writer. And he, I think he really brought everything together on throughout community. Yeah. And the, the Marvel cinematic universe poaches community, uh, members in front of and behind the camera like crazy. Cause he writes the Ant-Man movies now. Chris McKenna does. Yeah. Uh, Dan Harmon did punch up on fucking Dr. Strange um the tons of the actors have translated over obviously the russo brothers and it it was sort of this this fountain of uh talent not even including talent that was already out there like ken jong mm-hmm. and and bringing them into the mainstream fold i mean now everyone else like brings each other into projects like ken jong host of mass singer now just brings community people on there every freaking week for no yeah reason. Just because I think just because they they all generally like each other and they know they're all talented people and they they don't get to see each other every week anymore. Now, no one ever invites Chevy, but uh, oh. everyone else seems to uh, all be part of this one happy family. And everyone has spoken publicly like, yeah, we would do the movie tomorrow if if it was uh, ready to go. Which is great. That is not something you see in most franchises. Like maybe Arrested Development has that a little bit especially with like Will Arnett and Jason Bateman, but it's so charming to watch because community is such a sweet show at the end of the day. Yes. It's there's that, uh, uh, you know, besides it being fucking hilarious, besides it nailing all these genres and having all these crazy concept episodes, it's, it's a fucking good emotional show at the core of all of it. You know? Yeah. I mean, everyone on the show, again, going back to Mel Brooks thing, but actually in content where everyone loves each other. There's some degree of love between every cast member at, or every character on the show. Like, uh, I just watched the Shirley and Pierce episode. They have so much animosity for so many scenes, but then they bond over being, oh, yeah, we're both like the elderly, or the more senior group uh, members of the cast. And that's cool because they all love each other. They are like, hello, hello. We're going to give hellos because <laughs> they're great together. You know, each two characters have their own specific bond uh between between the two of them that yes troy and abed are like the most defined duo mm-hmm. but everyone has a dynamic you know? yes which is great you do not get that in a lot of shows every in a lot of shows have you ever watched like the big bang theory without the laugh track like one of those random uh, videos yeah. and it's just like people insulting each other left and right there's no respite. And you're like, the do these do these people like each other? Do they enjoy right. being around each other? And it's even a problem I have with like Parks and Rec, which is purportedly a show that is like, oh, you know, we all love each other, we all take care of each other, but then they uh, mercilessly rail <laughs> into one guy in the office, and it just feels it feels harsh. It feels disingenuous from the rest of the show and what the rest of the characters are bringing to the table. Right. And even with Pierce, who is the Jerry, Larry, Terry, whatever of of community, they still have little moments where they're like, all right, Pierce, you know what? Let me give you a big big kiss because they love each other. And that is so unique, even in television today. Absolutely. Absolutes. Um, So I know that you and I both could uh, talk about the show at length, but I think uh, we're going to be bringing it to a close here soon. Um, Any anything else? Uh, that you want to bring to the table vis-a-vis community. I have a lot, but I also have too much for a closer. 
Absolutely. I mean, I could always, you can always come back on. <laughs> we could always, we could always bring you back if you have anything else you ever need to get off your table. You know, pick an episode next season uh, and we will, uh, we'll, we'll bring you back on to talk about that one a little bit more. Okay, cool. I'll pick an episode. Uh, oh, so you guys are going to do the whole series. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> we're doing the whole series and we're doing it two episodes at a time. Um, so we'll, we'll be getting to season two sooner than you know. Oh, that's scary. How ominous. <laughs> yes. It's this uh, dark looming storm cloud in your future. I will. I'll let you know what episode I want to be on. I love season two. I love okay, show. great. Yeah, I would put uh, season two of Community up against uh, any other season of any other TV show. <laughs> I would I would put it up against anything. Uh, all right. So let, let the let the good people know uh, what you're up to and where they can find you. Oh, holy heck. Yeah, let me tell you all about my things. Uh, so I am a, I'm a writer. Uh, you can find me on inverse.com. I write guides there. I also do freelance stuff for Polygon. And I also do work on Hard Drive. Polygon, the video game news and pop culture site. I write about anime there. And on Hard Drive, I write stuff. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look forward to reading some of your stuff over there. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. I read for Polygon uh, just as a freelancer. I reviewed a few movies for them, and uh, I have another piece coming up pretty soon, I think. Uh, Excellent. <laughs> I'm glad you're learning things about me. Yeah. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram under Just Lunning. That is my full name. You can also find me under any white pages under that name. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Cool Space Together. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much uh, for well, having buddy, me. Hopefully I will uh, talk to you soon. Uh, you can always text me about the ver- uh, the video game Persona 5 Royal. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and I look forward to having you back. Yeah, I love, I'd love to be back. Thanks so much. And I will okay. text you. This has been a Talk Back Podcast.